All right. How are we doing, church? It's nice that it's a little cooler out now. I love that. It's good camping weather. Um, let's turn our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. We've been doing the book of Ecclesiastes, and um, it's been really cool uh, just for me to personally study this through. I, I tell you what, the Word of God is incredible. I've been uh, reading it for, um, you know, 20 plus years now, and I can say with absolute confidence that um, it is not a book alone. It, it, is, it is living and active. It's eternal. It is deeper than the, any ocean depths that we could ever look at, and it is more powerful than anything that we could ever contemplate or understand. Um, you know, there's a reason why the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible is on the Word of God. And even that doesn't give it justice. And Ecclesiastes is one of these books that you could look at and keep looking at and keep reading and still have more to learn. Amen? So I'm so excited. I think this is going to teach us so much about life. And um, we already went through that. The, the 40th service coming up and then what's your story but what what leadership team uh and uh, and we talked about was in the fall we're going to have an extended series with many different things and we're going to call it life death and beyond so we're going to talk about life we're going to talk about death and we're going to talk about what happens after death what happens after we die which i think is going to be so exciting for, for us to learn about and to learn about maybe even just blowing our minds at what we understand heaven to be, what we understand, what happens after we die, what happens after the, you know, what happens at the resurrection. And so to do that, this is the life part, right? We're going through the book of Ecclesiastes to look at the life part of this. And then we're going to get into the death part, right? Uh, later on. And you might, man, we're going to preach on death. That's really, is that inspiring? Absolutely. It is going to be very inspiring because learning about death teaches us how to live, right? And then we're going to talk about beyond. And I use the word beyond because it's just, it's a great word to describe what is after death, beyond. It's, there's so much more in, in many ways. Just like you forget memories now of your childhood, will you even remember Living on earth, in heaven. That's a great question. I don't have the answer to that. All I know is I, I keep forgetting stuff as time goes on. And so I absolutely think that's a possibility. That the pain that you've felt on this earth will certainly be and feel forgotten. Just like pain, time heals everything. We have all the time we have to heal from our troubles and challenges. And so that's so inspiring and helpful as we, as we face life today. Amen? Um, so, but the series, the series within the series is called Living Life Backwards. And essentially, we think about, you know, in many ways, t- tomorrow or today, right? We think about the next day. We think about the next issue. We think about our to-do list. We're, we're finite thinkers, and, and that's how we think. We need to think that way to survive. What are we going to eat today? What are we going to do today? I need water, you know, these kinds of things. But keeping the end in mind is what this series is about. So living life backwards means start 
every day remembering that this could be your last day. This could be your last day, and so you better enjoy it. You better get the most you can out of it. You better have that in mind. And so living life backwards is a great way to describe what the book of Ecclesiastes really is trying to say. He uses the word die a lot. He uses the word meaningless a lot. And we knew that that word meaningless doesn't mean without meaning. It means a breath, hebel, which is a Hebrew word for breath or smoke. Last week we talked about smoke and mirrors. Remember that? That life is like smoke. And if we try to control it, it's going to go right through our fingers. If we try to make everything neat and tidy, it's going to go right through our fingers, right? And meaningless, or the word hebel, is said 35 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. So that's interesting, right? 35 times he uses the word meaningless. And the first verse, or the second verse, he uses it four times. So he's trying to make a point. And so we just, we went from him talking about how Solomon's quest for satisfaction and meaning in life. You know, in chapters one and two, we talked about how he searched for wisdom, how he, he said, I will, I will be mad. I will, I will search out folly. I will search out pleasure. And he went into all areas of pleasure in his life. Then he went after toiling and accomplishment. And what was he left with, church? He was left with chasing the wind, right? He was left with nothing. And he said it's meaningless. And he said the only thing that you should do in this life is to enjoy it. (laughs) Because tomorrow you die, essentially. And that's how he ends chapter 2. And you're like, wow. And then he also says, he gives us a glimpse, right? In Ecclesiastes 2. Let's start in verse 24 here. He gives us a glimpse of what he's really trying to say. Because... This line of thinking is interesting. Pessimistic teaching, in, in some ways, is the way he's trying to teach us. He's trying to go extreme and, and, and wake us up, right, with the book of Ecclesiastes. And he's saying, everything's meaningless. And, and you're thinking, man, that's, that's kind of a killjoy, Solomon. But what he's trying to say is that the way the world goes after things is meaningless. And I'm trying to get you out of the hamster wheel. I'm trying to get you out of the rat race and even as Christians, that can happen, right? We can get in that, that hamster wheel, the worry, the thinking about the next day. We live in the future, church. Sometimes we live in the past. We need to live in the present, right? And he says in verse 24, a person can do nothing better than to eat. And the bros say, amen. <laughs> and the sis say, amen. amen. And drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, from without him, Who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he takes the task of gathering and storing wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And so he's basically saying, build a legacy with God, not with yourself. Don't try, you know, we go, oh, wow, Steve Jobs built a great legacy with those Apple iPhones. The truth is, he's going to be forgotten. People are going to go, who's Steve Jobs? One day, someone's going to say, who's Steve Jobs? I asked my son, uh, Manny, do you know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is? He goes, who's Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is he, does he, is he in Star Wars? <laughs> and it was so sobering. Even people living today, kids don't even know that. He said, you don't let me watch those movies. That's why I don't know Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. And, and he says that, you know. I said, like, you're right. I don't let you watch those movies. But yet, but, um, 
you know, the thing is that's interesting is that um, we, we have to build a legacy with God. Your number one goal in this life should be to please and glorify God. And you go, well, what about me, though? How am I going to get my needs met? What does it say? God gives the knowledge, the, the happiness, the enjoyment, the wealth. He's the one that it comes from. Amen? We know that the sun shines because he allows it to shine. If he said, no more sun, there'd be no more sun. And we would be in trouble. And we know that, that it's all in the hand of God, but yet we forget that in our own lives. We try to control it. We try to make it for ourselves. And what he's trying to say is, I'm the richest and the wisest person. I did it. I tried it. Believe me, I did everything you could possibly think about doing. And I just came up empty. And so now we're going to look into chapter 3 and 4 today. And we're going to talk about something that I think, another message of how to live. Amen. Living with the end in mind. But now we're we're talking about uh, Ecclesiastes 3 and 4. And essentially, I know last week we talked about these questions, right? And I hope you're doing these questions. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, the questions are on there. I, you know, I, don't have, I can't force you to do these questions, but I want to encourage you. Don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. Amen. You know, we're not here just trying to do. We're wanting to change your life. Yeah. Yeah. We're wanting to give you more joy in your life. And so these are the three questions we ask you to do. Write out your eulogy. You go, whoa, that's intense. Don't, you can always write it again. By the way, you're never going to write your eulogy, so it's never have to be perfect. You're never going to say this, you know, that would be weird, huh? You write out your own eulogy, give it to someone. Hey, I'd like you to read this at my funeral. That's a very weird thing to say. I don't suggest that, but what I'm more saying is write out how you want to be remembered. And what you'll find has nothing to do with your career, nothing to do with how much wealth you have. It's going to have to do with how you love people and how you treat people and how people feel around you. And that's something you can live today. Amen? You don't need a, 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 to buy a house to have that eulogy come true in your life. And so write out your eulogy and then try to live it today. And then he says, how can you stop living for gain? Rather, live life as a gift. You know, what if you just said, what a gift every time something great happened? You know, I was, you know, corn on the cob. Grilled yesterday for Mario and Gwen's going away party, which we're sad about you guys departing. But that's awesome about life, too, is that we're sad when people go, right? And, but the corn and the cob on the grill, I'm telling you that right now. That was so awesome. You know what I mean? And it was smoky, and it tasted so good. You know, and just the little enjoyments that you can have in life, right? I don't need... To, to get out of debt to enjoy my corn on the cob, right? I can enjoy life, you know? And then I was at the s'mores, right? I was doing the s'mores. And then in it, I saw some Reese's Pieces. Oh, yeah. And then I think Ian was like, yeah, you haven't tried the Reese's Pieces with the s'mores? We know how to do s'mores here. And I was like, Reese's Pieces with the Hershey and the marshmallows and the graham crackers. Yes! And so then I embarked on that as well. And it was wonderful. Okay, so I'm just saying, what a gift, right? What a gift that we can experience life in. And that's the kind of way you want to live, right? You know, oh, s'mores, huh? I'm going to have to run this off. You know what I mean? Just, you know, there's two ways of looking at it, right? And I'm using that. 
this example of s'mores for everything. So let's jump in. We're going to have two people read uh, each chapter. And so I was going to ask um, Kendra to read chapter three and, and then Evan to read chapter four. So I'm going to have Kendra come up and you can follow along. I just thought it'd be nice to have another voice reading these two chapters. So follow along and she will read Ecclesiastes 3. Okay. Hi, guys. Um, starting in verse 1, it says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on all of us. Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He, has plen- he had planted eternity in the human heart, for even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken away from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. Mm. I also notice that under the sun there is evil in the courtroom. Yes, even in the courts of law are the mm. corrupt. I said to myself, in due season, God will judge everyone, both good and bad, for all their deeds. I also thought that human condition, how God proves to people that they are like animals, for people are animals, share the same fate, both breathe and both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless! Both go to the same place, they came from dust, and they return to dust. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up, and the spirit of animals go down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. That is our lot in life, and no one can bring us back to see what happens after we die. Mm. I'm going to have Evan now read Ecclesiastes 4. Again I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they had no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they had no comforter. And I declared that the dead, who have already died, are happier than the living, who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There There was a man all alone who had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I tolling? 
he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of these strands is not quickly broken. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. The youth may have come from prison to the king, kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them. But those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Mm. Thank you, guys. So, very deep chapters here that we just uh, heard and read through. And uh, what's it all about? I think, what's chapter three and four about? And, and I came up basically with, it's all about relationships. Life is all about relationships. And when you think about it, there's things, a lot of things about life that happen to us. But the most important things that we take away from this life is who we're related to. And I'm not talking just physical relation. I'm talking about who we connect with. Who are our friends? Who are our brothers? Who are our sisters? Who do we have to keep us warm? Who do we have when we fall down? Someone's going to help us up. You know, the, this is what life's about. Amen. And, and, and it's also about a relationship with God. You know, I asked Manny, I like asking Manny questions. Because in, you know, and I know Janet likes this too, that kids just teach you so much. As you work with kids, you know, I know we have teachers in the room. Just, it's amazing what comes out of their mouths. Because they're not tainted by the world. And I think their hearts have more wisdom than we think sometimes. So I asked Manny, we're just about ready to eat chicken nuggets. And I'm like, Manny, what's the meaning of life? I've never talked to him about the meaning of life. I mean, you know, he's, we talk about Star Wars a lot and Angry Birds. But, but, but we don't talk a lot about the meaning of life. And he said, well, it's easy, Dad, to find God and have a relationship with him. And he said it with such conviction. I was like, what? what? And then Danielle was like, that's a good answer. And it's amazing. He's seven. And that's what he said. You know, we can learn a lot from the seven-year-old, can't we? Just the, to find God and to have a relationship with Him. That's the meaning of life. That's why we're here. And so having a relationship with God and our relationship with others is all that life's about. It's the most important part of life. It is what we encounter every day. But sometimes we miss out on these relationships. We miss out on our amazing relationship with God. And we let things that he's talking about get us all upset. And when you're upset, it's hard to have a relationship with someone, isn't it? When you're worried, it's hard to have a relationship with someone when you're worried. You know, someone's laughing and you're not laughing. You're kind of worried. It's easy to just feel like people are bothersome. You ever get there? Where you're like, everyone just leave me alone. I don't want to hang out with you. You know, someone's calling, you just let it go to voicemail. 
And there are times we do need to focus and there's times that we need to uh, focus on the things we need to do now so that we can have good relationships later. But it's all about relationships. And, 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 and so that's really what I think these, three, these two chapters are talking about. And my, the person that disciples me, he always says that. And, and sometimes, like, you ever hear something over and over again, you get sick of hearing it? Now, Glenn, you know, Jimmy says, it's all. He says it really slow, too. It's all about relationships. <laughs> Sometimes I finish the sentence when he says it on the phone, because I get to sign on the phone. It's all about, and I mute it, relationships, and then unmute it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I finish his sentence, because, but you know, it's good that he, that's how he lives his life. And if you know Jimmy, he has tons of amazing relationships. And it's not about position for Jimmy. You know, it's not about the legacy of his life being in the financial form or anything like that. For him, it's about the relationships. Not so much that I have a lot of friends, right? It's not about the followers or friends you have on Facebook. It's about the quality relationships that you have. That when you're around them and they're around you, you really are in a little bit of heaven. And so he kind of says, there's a time for every season under the sun. And that's, that's really how he starts. It's, it's one of the most poetic, beautiful compilations of life, right? I mean, it's read at so many funerals. And um, it's beautiful. In a lot of ways, um, there are opposites, right? Being born and dying. There's, there's these opposites going on. Then there's also just appropriate seasons of time. And just like the seasons in New England, right? We cannot control the seasons. The weather, we cannot control. We know the winter's coming. And, and you know, for some, some of those who, who just came up from Texas, the winter's coming. You can't control it. It's coming. And instead of trying to fight it, you just got to enjoy it. To learn how to, to learn from it. And there are some of these seasons that are very difficult to, to, to enjoy. But you can learn sometimes more from the challenging times than the sunny times, right? And I think we go about trying to control our lives so much. And, and what, what, what he's saying is, the, 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 the teacher is saying, you can't control the seasons. They're coming. They come when they come. And that's why your relationships matter so much. You know, you have to invest in relationships. Invest in your relationship with God and invest in your relationships with others. Because at the end of the day, those are the people that are going to be at your funeral. Those are the people that are going to matter the most. And those are the people that, that you've touched eternally. You know, think about the people that maybe you love that have passed away in your life. They're still with you, aren't they? They're still with you in some way. Some way. They, they, they stay with you. And, and they're eternal. And so I'd like to say relationships are one of the most eternal things. Because love is eternal, right? What's he say? You know, hope, faith, and love, but the greatest of all that will remain is love. You know, at the end, in heaven, 
We're all going to have our mansions. We're all going to have everything we desire. What's going to really be the special part of heaven? Relationships. God is trying to teach us now on earth that the seasons come and go. The, 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 the skinny cows and the fat cows will come, right? But relationships are eternal, amen? And the first thing that he talks about is our relationship with God. That, that's so important. And he says that in verse 11, he has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know, I, I've shared this many times. I've done a Bible discussion group often called God Doesn't Believe in Atheists. And I share this passage. I don't believe there are any atheists. You know, Trevor said he's an atheist. It's not true. He, he didn't believe in a religion or a certain type at one point in time. But he certainly had an inkling that something comes after. I've had the most critical people come to me at funerals and say, do you think they're still alive somewhere? You know? And I feel like saying back to them, well, why do you know? You, your belief says no way. But I'm obviously a little more sensitive to that. And I, and I tell them, yes, I think they are alive. You know, spiritually, they're, they're alive somewhere. And, and that's, you know, something we're going to talk about further. But as we look at this, the thing that's challenging about being a human and I don't know about you, but I like being a human. Amen. You know, reincarnation does not... Does, I don't really love that philosophy. Uh, I don't love thinking that I could go into a grasshopper, you know, if I'm not good today. Um, but the truth is, I like being a human. But Solomon seems to think, it's tough to be a human. And I think we have to acknowledge that it's great to be a human, but it's tough being a human. And the reason it's tough being a human... It's because we have the same fate as the animals, but we also have eternity on our heart, which is very difficult because, you know, my, my, um, my dog Lulu is really content most of the time. You know, you give her food, she's so excited to see you and she's, she takes like 18 naps a day and, you know, life is good for her. But the thing that's hard about being a human is that nothing satisfies you on this earth. And God meant it to be that way. Amen. Next time you're frustrated, say, of course I'm frustrated. What a gift. This reminds me that eternity is on my heart. Amen. Next time you get upset about life because it's not fair, just remember that you're, like, you're different from the beasts. And yes, you have a burden. But the truth is, you also have eternity set on your hearts. Nothing will satisfy you. You know, there was a cheesy James Bond movie. There's many cheesy James Bond movies. Sorry if you're a fan. But I love the title of this, you know, 15th, 5th James Bond movie, you know. The world is not enough. I love it. It's a, great, it's a great title. The world is not enough. And you're like, yeah, let me see that. James Bond, you know. You don't even know what it means, really. What does that mean? Are you going to go out of space? What, what do you mean the world's not enough? But, but that's true of us, isn't it? This world's not enough. If you're here at church, you know that to be true. And yet, that's the truth. We have, we're eternal beings. Therefore, we have to have a relationship with God because nothing else makes sense. He's the source of all life and eternity. 
So having a relationship with God is vital to answering the angst in your heart. You know, they say, oh, you know, there's, there's a hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill, right? That's the truth. That is true, that only Jesus can fill that. And I remember singing this old hymn uh, a cappella group. I forget what they're called. I think they're called the Soul Stirs. I don't know if you guys remember that, that group. But they, they have, they're not known at all, but I love their, their, their songs. You know, they got this song called, There is water in that plan. There is water in that plan. You know, and, and you know, has all these awesome songs. And one of the songs that I love is they take, they take um, John 17, 3. Now this, is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. To know Jesus is eternal life. To know God is eternal life. The way it means to know in the Bible. We know that what it means to know in the Bible isn't just, yeah, I know that guy. It's intimate to know God, to be his friend, to be in him, and for him to be in you. That takes something more than just Hey, how you doing, God? Let's pray before our meal. <laughs> it means that you have and you build and you spend time investing in that relationship. And so, and he tries to help us understand that in the place of judgment, weakness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. And he, he even goes further to say, I've seen the oppression of people in Ecclesiastes 4, right? He speaks about how challenging it is, right? In, in life. And sometimes it's not even, it's better not to be born than to live in this life. You know, there's places in the world now that, that it's better not to be born because of the oppression and the challenges they face. And the truth is, it can be messed up to think about that. Even the pain that we felt sometimes, sometimes we've all felt like, wouldn't it be great just to go to sleep? And I'm not talking about, you know, just the act of committing suicide, I'm talking about just, I'd like just a life to stop now. I'd like to be done life now. I'd like Jesus to come back. How many times have we said that? Marantha, Jesus, just come now. It would be awesome if you came right now. And then another voice says, well, what about all those people that are lost? And then another voice says, well, they had time, so come on. I need you to come now because I don't like the way my life's going right now. And that can be, we can feel that sometimes. And that's because eternity is on our heart. Because this world can be challenging, can't it? And it's, he, he's even getting a little, he's kind of testing our understanding of the resurrection here. And he says, hey, who knows if we're going to go up or down? You can't prove it. Now this is before the resurrected Jesus. This is before someone wiser than Solomon came, Amen who the sign of Jonah came from, right? And who's, who's going to rise from the third day? We know the answer to that question. Do you know that you're wiser than Solomon? That's crazy. Certainly, I'm wiser because I didn't marry 950 wives. So, so point Glenn Petruzzi, right? But more than that, I have, I have the answer to the question he's asking. I would say, of course, we rise from the dead. We are different from animals because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. And so someone more wise than Solomon is here. He uses Solomon a lot in the Gospels. If you actually go to the Gospels and look at how many times he talks about Solomon, 
It's, it's a really great study. I've been doing that lately. He says, right, someone wiser than Solomon is here. Do not worry. Not even Solomon, all his splendor, was dressed like one of these flowers. Yeah. Right? He says that, 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 that the Queen of Sheba searched out for Solomon. Right? And here I am, wiser than... And, and if, you're, if you have a wiser teacher, what does that mean about you? You'll be wiser. So if you have a teacher named Jesus who's wiser than Solomon, then we too, amen, will be wiser. And the Bible says the prophets long to look into these things. And I believe Solomon was a prophet. And so as we think about this, we got to remember that, that that relationship with God is the most important thing. And I know we all know that, but I think we have to understand in the midst of the background of everything else, everything else is meaningless when it comes to God. Amen. You know, um, and, and he, he talks about this. He talks about how, you know, there's nothing better for a person to do to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? You know, I'm curious about what happens after you die. And I thought about it for a second. Man, it's going to be cool to go into that next abode. And I know that sounds kind of weird. Like, did Glenn just say he wants to die? I don't want to die right now, but I do want to die. Because to go into the next realm, to go into eternity, to be a part of the waiting room of heaven, paradise. What did Jesus say? And it burns in my mind. I hope it burns in your mind. Today, you will be with me. In paradise. Today. Not tomorrow. I'm not going to have to wait. Today. I'm going to be with. Those. Faithful ones. In paradise. And man. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. I mean seriously. You're going to get a lot of time. To spend. You know. I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, Maybe I'll wake up in paradise. Maybe I will be awake. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know I'll be with him in paradise. And I know that there seems to be some consciousness as Jesus talks about paradise. I want consciousness. I don't want to be asleep. I don't want, you know, who wants to, I mean, sleep in paradise? Hey, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to the Caribbean. I'm just going to sleep the whole time. <laughs> well, what's the difference about being here then? I guess there's no difference. It's a little warmer. No, that's not what I believe God would intend. You know, I feel like heaven's going to be like the price is right. We might actually think we've reached heaven. And for those that don't know the teaching of paradise, they're going to be really surprised too, which is kind of cool. Part of me feels bad that I'm going to teach you about paradise in the fall. And you're going to, because people that don't know paradise, they're going to think they're in heaven, right? Yeah. And this is going to be amazing. I'm in paradise. This is incredible. And then all of a sudden... Jesus is going to say, no, this is not it. That's it over there. What? I thought I was here. Yeah. I remember going to a wedding. It was James Dunn's wedding. and He's the most incredible brother I know. He used to be a gang member who was homeless. His, his mom died of AIDS. And he became a gang member. Okay? He became a disciple in the South Central Region of the Boston Church of Christ. He was homeless when he studied the Bible. He got his education. He's got his undergrad at Bunker Hill University. Then he, uh, his, his associate, then he got his undergrad. Then he got his MBA. Then he got his, um, his ability to uh, handle investments. And now he is making a lot more money. He married a doctor. Yeah. 
And so here he is. I'm at his wedding, right? First time we talked, he, he said, Let, let's share our lives. And I heard his life and I just started crying because I was so sad for him. But he was such an overcomer. And his wedding was so awesome because, you know, I thought James was going to be a little bit more, you know, just a regular wedding. This guy, the reception to receive people had, I, I don't even know how to say it, it was like the buffet from heaven. They had lobster tail, shrimp. They had escargot. They had caviar. This dude from, you know, Dorchester had caviar at his, you know, at his, at his, at his receiving line for the reception. So I'm, I'm chowing down. I got like two lobster tails in my hand. Dip, dip, boom, boom, dip, dip. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, lobster tails for days. I got sushi. I got eel. I mean, all the delicacies of, of under heaven, right? And then they said, and now we will have our meal, the reception. They opened the doors in this big ballroom. I'm like, what? There's more? And they were grilling, you know, all these things on the rotisserie thing. And I was like, this is what heaven's going to be like. I'm going to think I've arrived. I'm in heaven. And then they're going to open the doors and there's going to be more. And, and I don't mean just in the, the, the food realm. Although I believe it's going to be wonderful. But I think in the spiritual realm, there's going to be so many doors opening. Don't you love in Price is Right? Where you think, oh, that's amazing. They got a, they got a trip to Hawaii. And then the, the, the announcer goes, and there's more. And then another door opens up. A new house. You know, I mean, you know they, they say all these awesome things. But the truth is, we can only get that through knowing our awesome God. Think about this. You are connected to the creator of all this. How ambitious is that? How amazing is that? I have a creator with the creator. I have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And then he goes on further and he talks about this. He says some deep things in chapter four. And for those that have lost people, I mean, it is challenging. And, and one of the things he says that is so intense is he says, I've declared that the dead who already died are happier than the living who are still alive. And that seems really depressing, doesn't it, in some ways? Yeah. But then when you think about someone being in paradise, that's true. And in some way, that's encouraging. Right. That the people that are living in paradise are happier, so much more happier than us who are living. And that's so encouraging to think about. But it's also challenging. And then he says, all achievement springs from one person's envy of another. It's kind of intense, he says, that all achievement comes from the envy of someone else's neighbor. Wow. Well, what about uh, some, some achievement? Not all achievement. No, he said all achievement. And so spiritual ambition is so important versus selfish ambition. Here's a question I want you to, to, to think on. And this is the big Thing that's going to open your mind. For whom am I toiling? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This question, I, know, I want you to write down. I want you to write down this question. I want you to think about this question because a, 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 a rackety old Scrooge had taught us more than Glenn Petruzzi today. 
an old guy who has no father or, or, or son or friend, right? He's just toiling and toiling and toiling and toiling. You know these people, right? They just toil and toil and toil. And, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge is the perfect person for this story, right? And essentially, he gets up from his work. He's like, whom am I toiling for? Here's the question. When we're working hard, I want you to ask that question. Who am I toiling for? When you're frustrated as a mother, who am I toiling for? I'm toiling for my son, for my daughter. You know, I'm at work. Who am I toiling for? I'm toiling because I want to provide for my family or I, I want to use this to free up my time so that I can love other people, right? Who am I toiling for? I'm toiling for my friends. I'm toiling for the people that I love. I'm toiling for God. I'm toiling to please God. See, God and others are the, this, that's the right answer for whom am I toiling for. If it's you, you're not going to have enjoyment. If you're just toiling for you, you're not going to have enjoyment. Ask yourself, why do I do what I do? Why do I make pizzas, John Heratakis? You know, why am I a professor, Lauren? You know, why, why do I work at Hannaford's, Cody? You know, why did I get that new job at IDEX? Bob Owens? Who am I toiling for? I'm toiling for my awesome God. I'm toiling for my awesome family. I'm toiling for my, for, so that I may advance the gospel. Amen. See, this makes working a lot more cooler, doesn't it? Amen. And certainly if you're in a people profession, you can put that towards those, those people that you're loving. But love is all the answer that you need. Don't toil for yourself because you'll end up like that guy. John Stabeck, uh, or Steinbeck said something pretty intense. He says, when a man comes to die, no matter what his talents and influence and genius, if he dies unloved, his life must be a failure to him and is dying a cold horror. Dude, that's intense. It's all about relationships, isn't it? It's all about relationships. All about relationships. Three questions to ask again, guys. So if you're behind, you can catch up. Don't worry. I put this on the app too, on their sermon notes. What things do you seek to control? How does Seasons of Life teach us that we are not in control? That's an easy one right there, right? What might it look like to surrender control? You know, I've been singing the song, I Surrender All. I sing, it, I sing it daily now. It's been helpful for my heart. In the beginning of the day, I, I sing, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. And that helps me to go into my life, go into this world, excited about what God's going to do, but surrendered about what God's going to do. Because what he can do, you can't change. And what you want undone won't get undone. You ever try, try to untie a knot that you can't untie? That gets frustrating. That gets time wasted. The truth is, if we try to control things, that's what we are. We're that person just, uh, we got like a tri- 15 knots we're trying to undo. Yeah. And not one of them is getting undone. So we have to surrender, amen? amen? Throughout the day, while you're working, ask yourself, who am I toiling for? Who am I toiling for? You know, I was up late doing the sermon, and I thought that. And I said, I'm toiling for you. 
It's great. I'm toiling for, for my relationship with God. You know what? I get the most out of any sermon I ever preach. I'm the one who gets the mo- biggest reward on Sunday, right? What relationships are the most precious to you? This is a nice one. Express your love this week to them. You know, that's so great when you express your love to someone and tell them how much they mean to you. And it's sometimes it, being the receiving end can be a little like, I don't know if you're easily complimented. And, and, and if, you're, if, you get, if you get that today, this week, just receive it. Make it easier for the person. <laughs> I, no, no, don't worry about it. No, I don't want to hear it, you know. <laughs> or, or maybe just say thank you. Because you do mean something to them. You know, whether it's your roommate, whether it's a best friend, whether it's a family member, just look them in the face, you know, appropriately. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I just, I just think about my boys that I miss at teen and preteen camp. I'm going to make them feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm going to see them and express my love for them. You know, and the people that you do have. Sometimes we think about all the things we don't have. Relationships is what you have right now. Express the love you have. You know, I think every disciple should have five amazing relationships. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. You know, I think five amazing relationships are better than 50 acquaintances. Every relationship is like 100 acquaintances. You know, a friend sticks closer than a brother. One born for adversity. Right? Your friends mean so much to you. And this is what he's talking about here. He's like, there's a man all alone. You know, and he, we don't have to be this, this guy to be all alone, right? How are you all alone? You don't initiate. If you don't initiate, you can't build relationships. And so if it's tough for you to initiate, I just want to encourage you, for whom am I toiling for? If it's easy for you to build relationships, help us out. Build them. Help us. Right? I want to end with an old song. And honestly, I, I just this is such a poetic kind of sermon series. Every sermon I preach, we're going to end with a song. Amen? And this song is one of my favorite. It's, it's a very short song. Praise God. And it, it's from Nat King Cole. He's the first really that sang it called Nature Boy. And the last lyric is the best lyric. He says, the greatest thing... Oops. (laughs) I love you, bro. Your smile brightens my heart up. It really does. I'm so grateful you're doing the slideshow, bro. I really am grateful for you. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. And he talks about how he, 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 he found this nature boy who came to him and, and told him of all these things that he saw throughout his travels. And he says he distills it into one main message. The greatest thing you ever learn is to love and be loved in return. Amen.
Just to love. 